In the book of Nehemiah, I want you to turn in your Bibles. Let's get those Bibles out and get those, get them greased up, get them working here. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we read of a great assembly. And this morning, I want us to take, this will be our text, the whole chapter actually will be our text, as we will study this morning about this great assembly that happened and we have recorded in the Word of God. Let's begin at verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street or a broad place, that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. Before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Matthiah and Shemai, and Ananiah, and Uriah, Rajah, and Hekai, and Messiah, and on his right hand, and on his left hand, Padiah, and Mashael, and Micaiah, and Hashem, and Hashabanana, and Zechariah, and Meshelam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and when he opened it, All the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Jeshua. Bani and Sherebi and Jamma, Akub and Zabethanai and Hodajah and Messiah and Kaliata and Zariah and Josabad and Hannah and Peliah and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tereshethah, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people and said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace. For the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests of the Levites, and to Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in, in booths in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under or dwelt in the booths. For since the days of Joshua the son of Nun, until the day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. You see, these people were reading the Word of God or listening to it be read. They had and they were experiencing a great physical, spiritual restoration in Jerusalem. A great spiritual one occurred here in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verses 1 through 18. And it took place in front of the water gate. A broad street. And the people of Israel formed a great assembly and listened to Ezra read the word of God. A man who it took 52 days with the help of people to restore the walls in Jerusalem and they were restored and by chapter 6 the walls were all finished. And now it was time to get busy to experience this physical restoration and this spiritual restoration in their city. This morning I ask, as you read about these people and as we study this morning, what kind of mindset do you think they had? What kind of mindset do you think these people really had and their attitudes to experience the spiritual revival? Do you think it was one of, boy, I wish he'd hurry up and quit reading that Bible and, and let's move on? 
Or do you think it was a, a, a mindset of, man, uh, this, is, this is too long of a service. Now you're going to read on that, that they were, they're going to be standing up and, and participating in this for about six hours of a day. Was it the mindset of, boy, there's just too much to do? Live in a booth? You mean I've got to go out of the comfort of my home and live in a booth? What do you think their mindset was? It was a changed mindset. One that wanted to start pleasing God again. One who believed there was a God and this was the word of God and it deserved the respect and it deserved a response. As we read this morning, the word of God is inspired. We have the word of God written. They were having it read to them. Nobody had a copy of it like we have today. But they came together to celebrate, if you will, the word of God. They came together to nourish themselves. They came together to learn what God's will was for them. They came to feed upon the word of God for all in one session of six hours, basically, we could say. Now, if we stayed here today six hours, you'd be ready to hang me. If I stood here and read from the Word of God today for six hours straight and asked you to stand in respect to God's Word, those who could physically stand, I don't know that we wouldn't have some may walk out. I don't know. I can't do this no more. But these people had the mindset that they wanted to hear the word of God. And they wanted to feed upon it and and nourish from it and get fed and, and be better people. Now this morning I want you to consider with me three attitudes that these people had toward God's word. You know, this morning and in, in ahead of all of this, you know what? As badly as I need to say it, we've got, we've got a great congregation of people here at McCoinsville. But I believe that sometimes we get laxed and sometimes we get stagnated in our spirituality. And we go through the rituals. And we do just enough that we can say that I've, well, I've acknowledged God this week. And I'll be honest with you, we need a spiritual restoration today. On January the 9th of 2022, We as the church as a whole and our congregation at McCoinsville, we need a spiritual restoration. We need people 
to say, I'm going to serve God. We need people to say, just three hours on Sunday morning? Man, is that all we're going to do? These people, these people would think we were crazy today. What do y'all mean? Just what? An hour for Bible study, an hour for worship, an hour on Sunday night, and an hour on Wednesday night. Four hours in seven days? They'd probably say, man, you're crazy. Is that all you desire? Now, that's what our elders have set aside. And we learn, and we grow, and we're, we're growing. That's spiritual times to feed. These people stood for six hours because they desired the Word of God. They wanted to know the Word of God. And we need a spiritual restoration. We need people to say that, that just, just three hours on Sunday is not enough for me. I need more. I heard a lady say this last week. Some people were studying with. They said, I need to go. I need to be a church. This is a person who's never been in the Lord's church, who knows nothing really about religion as far as the New Testament. And they said, I need to come. I need to go. And then we have a lot in the brotherhood who we have to beg to go. You see, that's not the way these people were. We need a spiritual... Folks, God is coming back. Our Lord is coming back. Our Lord is coming back. Time is going to end one day. And we're going to stand before our God. If we are not Christians, if we have not been baptized for remission of our sins, if we're not living the way we should, and God does not look at us and see a person or persons, man or woman, that is like these people that want it every time that they can get it or it's available, he's going to look over us. Who has not, God knows who, who puts forth the effort. Don't you think God knew these people? Still does know them. But we need a spiritual restoration. Listen to me this morning. It's not something to, for me. It's not something to make those numbers on that board back there go up. It's not something to make the contribution go up. We're talking about the eternal resting place of your and my soul. We need a spiritual restoration. Many people need that. It's sometimes it's good just to start over. Sometimes it's good just to say, I, I need to back up and punt, and I, I, need, to, I need to try again. Sometimes of the Father, it's better to just say, okay, I'm going to take the bull by the horns and we're going to serve God. It's good for our whole family. But notice three things with me. Number one, they craved it. You know what a craving is, right? I have those often. <laughs> I crave different things, food mainly. Fishing. But what about God? Do we crave God? 
told you the story just the other day about Socrates. The young man come to him and wanted to know, how do I get knowledge? Took him down, they made a walk, and they went down to the river. They walked out to their necks, and they pushed him underneath and held him underneath, and the boy fought and fought and fought and fought, and just before he was about to drown and, and give up and, and take in water, he brought him up. And he said, you want knowledge? You want a spiritual restoration today? He says, what was the number one thing you wanted when I held you underwater? And what was you fighting for? He said, air. He said, until you want God and the word of God and the ways of God that much or that way, he says, you'll never get it. Think about that. Until we have that desire, they craved the word of God. They asked for it in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1. They were wanting it. Their attitude was different. It was different than a lot today. They didn't say, oh, I can't understand it. Oh, why did God make it so hard? Why did he put all those names in there that I don't know how to spell or how to even say? You just read them the best you can. That's what I do. Why did he make it so hard? They didn't say that. In verse 2, you see, they listened to the reading carefully. They were attentive to it. This great assembly included men, women, and children. And we could say they were laser focused on the word of God. Just a moment ago when the word of God was being read in our scripture reading and when I read it, were you laser focused on it? Did you have your Bible open? You see, that was the respect that they showed for God. When the word of God is being read, at least we could listen to it. If you're not going to open anything up and follow along, at least you can listen to it and be laser focused. They sought to understand it. When you skip down to verse 8 in nearby chapter 8 there, they sought to understand it. They worked together to get an accurate interpretation of what God's law was saying. They wanted to get sense of it. They didn't make excuses and say, oh, it's too hard for me to understand. Or, oh, I'm not going to change that in my life. You mean I need to give God more time out of my schedule? No, I'm not going to do that. You mean to tell me that I've got to be baptized for the remission of my sins to go to heaven? No, I'm not going to do that. You see, they wanted to make sense of it. This morning, do you want to make sense of the word of God? Do you want to hear it? Are you attentive to it? They sought to understand it. They did things for a long time. You go back to verse 3. These families were assembled to hear God's word, as I've already mentioned, for about six hours. And realistically, we probably should be ashamed, I guess, in our minute time that we spend. The elders appoint our time 
for the, God, the word of God to be read and to be discussed and to be studied and to be open to this congregation. The same, same, like the same group we just read about in Nehemiah 8. They asked for it. They wanted it. They said, Ezra, read it to us. You've got to understand that it had been hundreds of years and hundreds of years since they had obeyed the Word of God and, and they found it. And we're going to see that they found that they needed to be in booths in the days of feast. But they craved it. Do we also have a strong craving for God's Word? Do we read the Bible daily? Ask yourself that question. Do you read the Bible daily? Go with me to 1 Peter. No, you've got your Bible still out. 1 Peter chapter 2, in verses 1 through 3, a very familiar passage to you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Peter writes, and he says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice or wickedness and all guile and hypocrisy and envies and all evil speakings, notice it, as newborn babes, as newborn babes desire or long for the sincere milk of the word, the spiritual milk, that information that is without guile, that you may grow thereby. Grow what? Thereby unto salvation. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Do we read our Bibles daily? Do we come for Bible classes? We had a Bible class this morning at 9 o'clock. Do we come for those, barring that our health allows us? Do we study for our Bible classes? Do we prepare? Are we excited about hearing the, the preaching from the Bible? Are we excited that when we, we get to the preaching, is it, oh, I get to learn a little more about the, the Bible and God today? Are we carving out a time in our daily lives to read the Bible with, with our friends and read it at work or, or sit down with our children and read it? See, what are we, or are we craving it? You see, they didn't take, as we see here, they didn't take a vacation from it either. A lot of times when people go on vacation, they take a vacation from the Lord. They take a vacation from the Bible. Not a lot of times on vacation. Sometimes it's just from Sunday to Sunday they take a vacation <laughs> from the Bible. Never open it back up. Never use the technology that we have to, to, uh, to read it or have it read to us. Maybe you struggle with reading the Bible, being able to read it you know, as far as your eyes or whatever the case may be. But you know what? There are apps. There are, are cassette tapes. There are CDs that can read the Bible to you. Are you seeking that out? That's the question. They craved it. Secondly, they were awed by it.
You see, as we just read in in First Peter, there they long. He says, "Do you long for it like a baby does for milk?" They were awed by the reading of the Word of God. They were impressed and changed by the Word of God. They knew the Bible was a special book. And they were attentive to it because they knew the source of the reading was God. Chapter 8 of Nehemiah, verse 3. They stood up in the reading in verse 5 because this was out of respect and reverence for the word of God. They viewed the reading, which was the word of God, that it was sacred. You see, that's what's happened to our world today is we have lost the sacredness of this. This is sacred. As I've told many of you before, I keep a hard copy. And I've got notes and notes after notes after notes after notes. For my preaching, for my children when I'm dead and gone. But they were attentive. They were touched by it. In chapter 8 there in verses 6 through 12, it was read just a moment ago. If you notice, they mourned. They cried and they worshipped. They were touched by the reality that they had failed to obey God's word. They know they have failed and not done their part. You see, this morning, right here, this morning, on this day of January the 9th of 2022, for people to, for us to have a spiritual restoration, we're going to have to realize from old to young, if we have failed and not done our part, and we need to make a change, that we make that change. That's the only way. That's the only way that we're going to have a recommitment to the Lord and to the Lord's church and to this uh, group of congregation of the Lord's people right here at McCoinsville. That's the only way. But are we awed by it? Do we respect it? Do we respect the Bible? Do we listen carefully when it's read and taught because it comes from, from our Creator? Do we handle it accurately, rightly dividing it? And do we always strive to grow? 1 Peter 2 and verse 2. How do we feel about the Word of God? Do we change? Let me ask you something this morning. Do we change? Are you going to change because of what you've heard? You know you need to become a Christian. You know you need their sins in your life. Are you going to change? You see, we, when we come to the point of fighting for air like that little boy did and crave the word of God and want to please God, until we come to that point, 
it's not going to matter. The source of this book is God, the whole book. It's all superior to all other books, even to the best commentary that you can find. But the question is, do we believe this? And will you and me, will we have respect for it? Last but not least, they obeyed it. Verses 13 through 18 of our reading in chapter 8 of Nehemiah. After gathering to hear God's word read, notice they came together a second time. The next day, the people, as they were being read to the word of God, they made a discovery. They said, hmm, we just found out and discovered that as a nation, they had not observed the Feast of Booths since the days of Joshua, hundreds and hundreds of years before. And this was an important feast day for the Jews. God wanted his people to obey this. And it was very important. And during this feast, God wanted Israel to dwell in booths, or another word, for tents. And not just over the weekend or an overnight camping trip. It was for a week. And this was to remind them about their ancestors that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You see, once the people made this discovery, notice what they began. Read that scripture there. They began preparing. They had realized we had not done our part. We need a spiritual restoration and physically, we're going to do our part. We're going to start getting ready for that. It, the, the Feast of Booths was coming quickly, and they knew that. So let me get busy getting ready to do what the Lord wants me to do and to serve Him and worship Him and give Him the awe and respect. We talked about in our Bible class this morning. What did you do to get ready for today? But once the people made this discovery, they began preparing to observe the feast. Since the ordained time for observing, it was fast approaching. You can go back and reference this in the book of Leviticus in 23, in verses 42 through 43. But what about us? What are we going to do with the commandments of Jesus? Now notice that. What are you and I going to do this morning about the commandments? What are we going to do when we have a fault with a brother and we come across the passage of Matthew 18 and 15 through 17 where it says, go into that brother and tell him his fault. What are we going to do when someone offends us and we come across the passage in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 32 where it says to be tender-hearted and forgiving of one another. 
What are we going to do when, when we're struggling with our enemies and people who we know are against us or don't like us? When we come across the passages in Matthew 5 and 43 and 48 where it tells us to, to love our neighbor, love your enemies. What are we going to do when, when, when debt piles up on us and, 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 and we don't have the money or we're scrounging for money and, and, and we've bought this and bought this and bought this and bought this and we've not been good stewards of our money and we come across the passage that says, be good stewards that was prayed this morning of the things that we've been given. What are we going to do when we have that pessimistic attitude, that negative attitude and we're always complaining about something or we're worrying about something and God says, don't worry, take no thought for tomorrow. What are we going to do when, when you look at that person, young person or, or older people as well, married men or women, and you look upon that woman and he says that if you look at her in a sexual way, you've already committed adultery in your heart. What are you going to do? And that goes both ways. What are we going to do about lying and not bearing false witness and being truthful with people? When we look at Matthew 5 and 37 where it says, Let our yea be yeas and our nays be nays. You see, these people were willing to change. What are you going to do when you know that you're not a Christian and you've heard it preached from this pulpit and you've heard other people talk to you about it, about becoming a Christian, giving your life to Christ and serving Him faithfully? When you hear passages like Mark 16 and 16 where it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. What are you going to do with Acts chapter 2 verse 38? When Peter told them, repent and be baptized. What are you going to do with passages like Nehemiah 8 when these people come together and, and they were to come together for seven days straight and stood up for six hours straight? When we complain about having to come back at six tonight or seven on Wednesday or Bible study at 9 a.m. Boy, that's awful early. You see, we need a spiritual restoration. I need it. You need it. And we've got to change that great assembly. The reading of the Word of God. No better time than the beginning of the year than to say, this year is the year that I am going to make a full commitment to God and to His church, His Son's church, Jesus Christ. Number one, for myself and for God. But number two, for my family, for my wife, for my husband, for my children that God has blessed you with. There's no better year. There's no better time than to say right now, today, January the 9th, 2022, 
I'm making a change. I'm going to be better. And I am going to serve the Lord and respect him and have all and change my way. Please come. Together we stand as we sing.